Read all the stories about BYU sports no one else has heard. Go to kslsports.com for exclusive columns by BYU insider Mitch Harper. That's kslsports.com. That's right. Best in the market, Mitch Harper. He covers this BYU football team, and he does it uh, really, really well. kslsports.com. You're going to get to uh, hear Mitch and Matt on some uh, Cougar Nation. And if it's anything like our postgame show was last night, Mitch, you'll actually get all the calls for all the wrong reasons. So you're going to want to tune in for that tomorrow on KSL News Radio. Uh, Mitch Harper, Alex Curie here with you on the Sunday morning for First and 12. Our program brought to you by Macy's for the freshest fruits and vegetables uh, from local farms, your favorite local brands as well. Macy's, happy shopping, bringing you First and 12 every week. Well, let's break down that BYU football game this week, Mitch. Uh, 45-13, to 13, BYU falls to Iowa State. Uh, it was ugly from the beginning. The very first pass of the night was Jake Retzlaff into the hands uh, of a, an Iowa State linebacker. And more importantly, it was while you're watching it, you're going, is this a robotic situation that you definitely had? I mean, it was definitely a script, right? You have the first play scripted out. You run it during practice. And that second-level throw that he attempted probably during the week looked like it was available. Isaac Rex was standing in front of, of uh, Jake Retzlaff on the first play of the game. I don't want to break down every bad play of the game, but this first one was it was especially glaring, at least per my view. You and I haven't been able to talk about it yet, but Isaac Rex was was good for a good seven-yard pickup on that first easy throw. Instead, he throws it to the second level, doesn't get it to his guy, and that was the start of uh, of something really ugly. And the next part was that turnover on the kickoff, on the ensuing kickoff. Two fumbles, by the way, in those first two kickoffs. And – and that second fumble, you get the turnover. Iowa State is suddenly up 10 nothing, and for another week, and it seems like it's happened all year long, BYU is down two scores in the first three minutes of the game, Mitch. It's, it's great insight because I feel like those two plays deflated anything that was maybe an advantage for BYU, home field, night game. And I, I know that – that's a little bit tacky to point to those things. But BYU's been a really good home f- football team. They've been very good under Kalani, especially at night. And those got deflated instantly. And the cloud- crowd was silenced. And, you know, BYU was in a hole like they've always been this season. I, I just feel like this is a game, Alex, where BYU's brand, BYU's identity has collapsed. And, you know, all the and I think that the coaches are trying to say all the right things. But there's nothing that BYU hangs their hat on. There's never been seasons where BYU uh, can't, you know, turn to something and point to a thing or two that says, you know, that's who we are. BYU, the last few years, has been a physical football team up front with explosive plays through the air. And there's no sign of that right now. And what's worrisome is that you're less than a month away till the transfer portal opening up. I mean, how much of a mass exodus do you have? And then do you have to replenish this roster once again with the transfer oh, portal? Geez. Look what's happened this year. Look, I think they got a good transfer portal class, but clearly it's taken longer for all this to mesh than anyone would have expected. So this was a, just a real uh, you know, tough loss for BYU. And the thing is, too, I was thinking about it. We've seen BYU, you and I over the years, go into Provo, and get blown out. It happens. I remember in 2017, they lost to Wisconsin big. But yep. the, no, the, the, the common theme with those blowouts is that they're losing to great teams. There's not many times when a 500 football team rolls into Provo and stomps BYU by 30-plus. That's what happened. 
And it wasn't yeah. anything exotic by Iowa State. It was just line it up, and Rocco Beck's going to be a, a solid kind of game manager quarterback. He was good. I don't think he was spectacular. And he just laid the hammer down on BYU. Yep. I, I just think BYU's got a lot of issues right now, Alex. And, man, there's there's not one particular area that, that leads itself as, as the gl- biggest issue. Yeah, and, you know, uh, look, you brought up 2017. I didn't, okay? Let the record reflect that <laughs> I that it was you because that was the last time I think people felt like this, right? When we talked about yeah. it last night in the booth, it was like, man, this feels dire. It feels so desperate. It feels so dark right now in terms of where this program is and there's no explanation and there's no like I mean here's the thing too Mitch that people could dog the offense all they want but Jay Hill's defense is not working right now and Kalani's explanation last night you'll be able to hear that in the next segment here his 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 explanation was what that people aren't buying in that and Mm -hmm. I thought well in week 10 Going into week 11 now, like in week 10, you don't have guys buying into the scheme that you've been working on since last spring. I don't know what you would need then. I don't know why you would have to or why you ever got. No, it just hasn't clicked yet. What are we talking about here? We're not talking about switching on the light in the room. We're talking about guys buying in, whether or not the coaches have, have given them the, the resources to be able to make that happen. And again, by the way, all these last few games, I was I was looking at this as well, and and I thought of all the of all the things that have happened to BYU this year, uh, blowouts have been something that has happened. West Virginia, thirty point loss last week. Texas, a twenty nine point loss the week before. Uh, they beat Texas Tech, but four out of the last five games, the TCU 44-11, Texas 35-6, West Virginia 37-7, Iowa State 45-13. It does feel like uh, a dire moment for BYU because it's not just losing football games and like, man, you were right there. They weren't in this thing for one second last night. They haven't been in a football game since probably the first two or three minutes of that Texas game. I mean, there just has not been a moment that they have been even anywhere near. And, you know, after a week they go, no, now they're going to figure it out. Now they're going to figure this thing out. All right, let's get down to some numbers. I don't want to just, like, bag on this thing. And I, I do want to get into some of what, what these numbers look like. Uh, BYU last night, from a defensive standpoint, it was so hard to, to, to watch because Iowa State felt like they had the ball forever at the very beginning especially. But you also saw uh, these two teams with 443 yards for Iowa State, who, by the way, this is not a – like I said, these were the two worst offensive teams in the Big 12 coming in. BYU wanted that title, I guess, because they yeah. gave up 443 yards to an Iowa State team that was 101st in the country in total offense. They, they got themselves a 318 yards, which is a little bit of a joke because they Iowa State was like, we don't really want the football the rest of the way. Will you please just run this thing out so we can fly back to Ames? And they ended up with 318 yards. Uh, they did have 188 yards on the ground, which, uh, you know, I know people will look at and say, well, that's a little bit of a positive. And I do think that the offensive line played a little bit better. Jake Retzlaff was absolutely lost back there in the backfield yesterday, uh, uh, last night. Uh, you asked about the slipping on the turf, and that was a weird thing too because that became a strange storyline because everybody seemed to be slipping except for Iowa State. Uh, and so Kalani brought up they're both Nike schools. They both have the same gear, but uh, obviously did not look like that last night. It was a weird moment because Lavelle Edwards Stadium doesn't usually have that grass issue, especially when the weather's not you know, a problem. So the the yardage was garbage uh, in terms of comparison. Uh, the 
I mean, the six for 20, I think, from Retzlaff for 104 yards. He had six yards passing in the first half. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of stuff you can look at and go, holy cow, this was an awful night for BYU. One for 11 on third downs. <laughs> you know, at one point, Iowa State was eight for six. Or, I mean, uh, excuse me, six for eight on third down conversions. Any third down, we knew that they were going to convert it. So, uh, I don't know where you want to start, Mitch, because I saw all of those things. <laughs> and BYU can't cause turnovers. Right? You know, that when BYU does not create takeaways, they're going to get blown out. And that's what happened, too, last night. And, you know, credit Iowa State as well because that's the youngest football team in the Big 12. I think Matt Campbell and that team are building something to where you look at the future of the 16-team Big 12. They're going to probably be in the upper kind of crust of this conference because – I just trust Matt Campbell. He's one of the best coaches in this conference, and he will get the most out of his teams. And I thought their running back, Abu Sama, was, was very good. Not not the best running back BYU's faced this year, but solid. And they were yeah, just only, sound. He only had eight carries, like, but yeah. he had 110 yards. Like He only needed four carries to get the job done last night, but eight carries, and he beats you by it, himself. And BYU did not help Jake Retzlaff much. I mean, you had some drops from Keelan Marion, Ethan Erickson. Uh, you can just go down the list and you just go, what's getting – you start to raise questions. What's happening in practice? You get to game day and it's just like everything collapses. Uh, you, you can't say that there's good weeks of practices happening when week after week you're just getting thumped and there's nothing that you feel like you can build off of going at week after week because I don't know what – leaves this BYU team feeling confident moving yeah. forward. Uh, and, and you're right, Jake Retzlaff, he looked like he was just completely struggling. And I think if you got Keaton Slovis now healthy, you probably have to turn to him. Jake Retzlaff probably lost the opportunity to put the hammer down and say, I'm your starter the rest of the way. If Keaton's good to go and he suited up last night and was warming up in practices something or in, in the uh, pregame warm-ups, that was something he didn't do at West Virginia – I got to imagine Keaton Slovis probably has to uh, be the guy at QB1 next week against Oklahoma. But still, it was necessary to have Reds left be able to run and, yeah. and you know create some chain movers because uh, he, he had to carry the ball 17 times for 64 yards. So Jeez. it's just a rough time for BYU. And it, it really raises questions too, Alex, about is how this season's playing out with blowout after blowout. It's one thing to go maybe 5-7 and seven and you're you know in every single game and you're battling for a full 60 minutes in these Big 12 contests, but it's a different vibe. If you go 5-7 and seven and every game down the stretch is a blowout, uh, you wonder if it raises the heat on Kalani. You yeah. really have to think about that. And I know Tom Homo is probably a guy that's nearing retirement. He doesn't even want to probably entertain that thought to have to hire another head coach before – he exits stage right, whenever that is. But, man, this is getting rough for BYU, and it's just the way that they're playing raises some real questions. Speaking of raising, one of the things that came up last night during our postgame show was people going, so they're going to reseat the stadium and charge another 40% yeah. or whatever it's going to be on top. Like, that's going to be a tough sell after a season like this. Uh, whatever excitement that you may have thought about with this uh, with this Big Twelve, and you know, and, and the five and the five wins that they do have right now start to look really weird, right? I mean, Texas Tech is by far and away their best win of the season, and you also wonder how they even did it, how they shut down. I mean, I guess it was because they had a, a third string quarterback in, a freshman yeah. quarterback in. Uh, I was looking at this too. 
why was L.J. Martin, why did he only get eight carries? Why did he only have one in the first half? He basically had 10 yards every time he touched the ball. He only had eight carries last night, but he ended up with, uh, with what, 57 yards or uh, somewhere close to that. I, I don't have the numbers right in front of me, but he was, he was at one point seven or eight yards per carry. Why did we only see him carry the ball eight times? Kalani said this week that he had to re-earn his job in the same breath as Keaton Slovis. Uh, that's the only thought that could be uh, kind of gathered from, from that because it was confusing to not see L.J. Martin earlier in the game. It, because the thing is, too, you have to think, Alex, if you're BYU, make that guy happy. Do not make him ticked off. And I know that's crazy and people out there probably hearing that going, don't give in to these players. But you, you want to make sure to have roster retention you don't want to lose an L.J. Martin to the transfer portal because I guarantee that guy that goes into the portal, he's going to get suitors. He's going to have teams that no want him and will probably put together a nice NIL package for him. So you want to keep him happy. Yes, have the competition or whatever you want to spin it, but make sure he's playing because that guy's got game and he can be someone you build off of going forward in the future. So, yeah, that was puzzling, to say the least, to see not see L.J. Martin until late in the second quarter. Yeah, uh, among all the things. Among, by the way, you know, if someone's going, you gotta, you got to earn your job back. And then at the end of the season, these players are like, you got to earn me back. You know I mean? Yeah. That, that's a weird thing that's been uh, – that is a, an NIL transfer portal, you know, uh, you know consequence. And, and, frankly, you have to be recruiting these guys all the time, and they always talk about it, but that's not a good way to do it when you barely get – a few carries to this guy who's supposed to be one of your uh, one of your superstars. Okay, we've got Kalani Satake uh, post game from last night. You can hear it next when we come back right here on First and Twelve. We will break down that. We've got so much more to go, including uh, a very weird uh, power rankings because every week this conference surprises, uh, and you just don't know what to expect. I think BYU fans should know what to expect with their team, though, in the power rankings. You don't want to miss any of that. Stay right here with us. 97.5 the KSL Sports Zone and also 102.7 FM KSL News Radio. It is first and twelve. Mitch Harper, Alex Keery, happy Sunday morning to you. Back right around the corner. Stay with us.